well, dad, thanks for joining me. <laughs> this isn't awkward, is it? If we've already started, then yes, it is. <laughs> We're started already. So, okay. <laughs> um, for anybody listening here, which is hopefully everybody that's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Started off so good too. We're gonna start over. So just the good thing is I was gonna say something. <laughs> <laughs> just pretend nothing happened. Pretend we haven't started. Hi, Dad. Hello, son. <laughs> oh, this is weird. You wanna do this? Switch spots. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 25 of Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Newsbomb Transportation. So, that was an awkward intro, right? In a way, I, I actually hope that all of you felt just as awkward listening to that as I did sitting down to interview my dad for the first time. Now, you might recall another episode we recorded with my dad, which was episode 15, but we actually recorded this exchange much earlier than that, and... Uh, this one was actually a little bit more personal too. So, so yeah, I, I've been sitting on this one for a while. Uh, our conversation here kept coming back to things that his dad, uh, my grandpa, taught him earlier in life. And I was constantly reminded of things I've learned from the both of them. So I thought it'd be appropriate to, to save it here uh, for Father's Day. Now, unfortunately, my grandpa died in an accident on his farm when I was about 13 years old. Uh, so I didn't get nearly as much time with him as I would have liked, but... I feel like my dad has carried so many of his dad's lessons with him and uh, that I've been able to absorb many of them myself. My dad made sure I knew how to drive a manual transmission and he even somehow managed to find the only hills in Bloomington Normal in that process. When you're going straight uphill from a stop position and letting out the clutch and putting in the accelerator at the same time for the first time, a little nerve wracking as a uh, 15 year old, but uh, we made it through. Uh, he'll, he'll also claim that he taught me everything I know about computers and technology, but uh, while that may actually be a stretch, he did facilitate the opportunity for me to learn and grow. And he did teach me most of what I know about basketball. He also nurtured my love for music and playing and never let me settle. He always pushed me to do my best in everything. I can attribute a lot of who I am to my dad, and I'm sure many of you can relate as well. If you ever get caught behind me on the road, and get annoyed that I'm not driving fast enough, not accelerating, not accelerating quickly enough, or slowing down too soon, you can blame my dad. I got it from him. Now, if you're not already aware, my dad is Corey Adams. He's the driver development coordinator here at Newsbomb, and he primarily works with uh, drivers to develop their skills and habits as professional drivers. I personally give him a lot of credit for where we've come as a company in regards to fuel efficiency, but I may be a bit, a bit biased, but I'm sticking with it. I hope you enjoy this exchange. It's not all awkward. I 
I promise. But I can promise there's plenty to think on in this episode. Our conversation does get heavy at points and we talk some harsh realities. But in the end, these stories and lessons develop us into the people we are now or will become. Here's my dad, Corey Adams, with I Got It From My Dad. Well, Dad, um, hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, thanks for sitting down with me. I'm, this is already awkward. Yeah, in case those of you who are listening, which will be all of you, we've established that uh, <laughs> a little bit ago. <laughs> um, they didn't hear I, that part because we, we edited that out. I know, we edited that out. <laughs> but uh, uh, Philip here is my son, and he is very good at doing these interviews. <clears throat> Except uh, this might be his most difficult one. Why would that be? Because I know you too well. And you know me a little bit, at least. <laughs> That's probably fair. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, let's let's start out easy here. Um, tell everybody what you do here uh, currently at Newsbomb. Uh Currently, I do development uh, so development of new drivers uh, current drivers anything that uh, has to do with uh, improving uh, driving abilities I try to work with getting better fuel mileage is one of the big things we try to do here and I, I work on first and I've been doing that ever since I've been in the office I've been in the office now for oh it's been over eight and a half years now and when I was brought into the office, Lloyd, Lloyd Stoller, told me if I could help get the fuel mileage raised by one-tenth of a mile per gallon, it'd cover my salary. So I've been working on that ever since I've been in the office. You haven't gotten to one-tenth yet? Yeah, I sort of think that, uh, you know, I, actually I figured it up and... Uh, Maybe I ought to get a bigger salary. <laughs> gonna say, how, what's, what's the fuel rate increase? <laughs> so, we... Yeah, we're, we're easily over three miles a gallon higher than what we were. So that's more than 30 so times what was needed. 30 times your salary. Plus we got more than twice as many drivers. Uh-huh. So um, <laughs> do we need to talk to Jeremy or go straight to Brent? Who are we? Who, whoever can uh, make it happen. Okay. So, yeah. So there's definitely been uh, an increase there. Now, uh, before we get to that, um, you said coming into the office. So before coming into the office, you were actually uh, driving on yeah, the road. I drove here for three and a half years. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a driver. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a driver for three and a half years here. Drove, um, um, obviously, before I came here. Used to, you had to have at least a year's experience before you got on here and now we got the training program yeah. which is a good we are able to help out the industry do our part to help get new drivers experience so that they can uh, drive out on their own uh, so instead of just being like a lot of people say you have to have a year of experience we we train drivers so so anyway yeah i had a year of uh, more than a year experience in uh before coming here so if when you first came in the office and lloyd was talking to you about increasing fuel efficiency. I, I assume that means you 
probably were doing okay with fuel in the truck. Yes, um, but it was um, it was more of a surprise to me. I mean, I I wasn't really trying. Uh, I'd been brought in once or twice before. Um, driver manager asked me what I was doing different from other drivers. I said, I don't know. I'm not with other drivers. But uh, one of the times when I was doing that, it was with a day cab, Kenworth. And I figured out that uh, some drivers like to shift at higher RPMs and such. And but anyway, I had to study it out to figure out why I got better fuel mileage. Uh, I can attribute why I do get good fuel mileage uh, much to my dad. Uh, my dad was a, a truck driver. Uh, after he was a farmer, he farmed uh, for some years, and then he started driving a truck. But he did things in such uh, a manner that it would produce good fumage. But there's things he did that he did not for fumage, but for saving tires, saving brake pads. He was just very, very skillful. And I picked up on those skills very early. <laughs> when I say early, like three or four years old, uh, that sounds strange, I know, but uh, no, I would play with my toys, you know, in the same manner. So I was, I was already used to doing that. The toys I played with, um, the ones I liked best had the steering wheels, like the tractors. I could steer the uh, wheels, and so I would make them literally steer i didn't like scooting them sideways you're, like, you're, you're talking about the the toy like ertl type tractors that one sixteenth scale tractors yeah, okay. yes so i <laughs> i would make them back up my four-wheel wagons you know no cheating uh, no no sliding no pushing sideways so yeah very early very young age i started doing things uh, just like he did i couldn't play with other kids because they would just run their tractors and cars back and forth and they wouldn't use roads and wouldn't go in straight lines and so they didn't play it right <laughs> they didn't play it right no they didn't know how to do it and so i didn't like playing with them in those those games <laughs> i had to choose something different if i wanted to play with other kids <laughs> so hearing this makes makes me a little surprised that i ever got to drive any of grandpa's tractors and even lawn equipment and and stuff that he was okay with me doing that then yeah, yeah, he, well, he, I, he would let me, I mean, he, he's all for letting people learn. I, I, I was thinking back um, just the other day, and I was very surprised I didn't run the uh, brand new pickup truck that we had, but it was a 66 Ford, Ford Ranger pickup truck. That's when the Ranger was a full-size pickup truck, by the way. Uh, I, I was in the driver's seat, and he had me pulling it into the barn. He was sitting there too because I had to give some gas and being just a five or six year old, you know, you don't five or six year old driving a full size pickup folded into the barn. Yeah. So I, I stepped on the gas and I think he stepped on the brake pretty quick. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, yeah, I would have ran right into the, through the barn otherwise. (laughs) Uh, how how long did Grandpa uh, drive for? He probably started driving, let me think here. 
Um, so yeah, it's either late 67 or in 68. He started driving an old international. It might have even had a gasoline engine in it. I'm not sure about that, hmm. but it didn't have power and it was only made for staying on flat land with, um, started pulling the grain truck. So he, he did it until he had a, a bad crash back in 88. Yeah. He had a, uh, a bad bad wreck that uh, basically left him unable to drive a big truck. Um, in fact, uh, the company he worked for tried using them in the factory, but he couldn't concentrate uh, to do the job, so they went ahead and retired him. And uh, but so you didn't actually get into trucking though until much much later. Yeah, uh, I can't remember when I got uh, a CDL. I. I drove big trucks on the farms mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, for some years before I ever got a CDL. Yeah. Uh, but um, I had a CDL for driving a bus uh, for a while and some other, other trucks. But uh, I'd always said I'd never be a truck driver. And uh, I've learned i got to be careful about what I say I would never do. I also said I'd never own a Dodge. I've owned three of those. <laughs> um so I said I'd never be a truck driver, but um, one day it wasn't so much opportunity as necessity. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you don't have a job, you need a job. And my brother-in-law started asking if I wanted to drive for him. I said, well, tell me about it. I didn't mention to him that I didn't have a job <laughs> at that point. Uh, it was just the day before, but anyway, but that happened. And uh, he said... Um, well, basically, hauls oversized loads, tries to get uh, low miles on the truck, high pay, and uh, get back home. And uh, he did real good at that. And so I started off uh, uh, driving for him. I just drove a couple times with him and uh, took my tests, and there I had my CDO for well, a class you didn't, even, you didn't even do a school or no. any, anything like that? No, I didn't do a school. Uh, didn't learn how to double clutch. If, if I, I remember, just started floating the gears. If, if I remember that first day, right, even I think uh, I might have dropped you off. Possibly uh, <laughs> met met him up, met up with him at an on ramp, essentially. Uh, no, I think somewhere nearby. Uh, pilot, I believe. Yeah, it might have been at Pilot. Yeah, Pilot. Yeah, in okay. Yeah. At, at the truck stop, and dropped you off with him, and and then you, you two of you took off. Yeah, and he basically gave you some. Uh, in cab training as you went and on the job training right there. Started learning how to float the gears right then and there. They almost say the rest is history. I mean, I, do, I like I said, I knew a lot. I rode with my dad in the truck. Yeah. I had to, I did a lot with the truck, more with the truck than most drivers have to do nowadays. Yeah. Painting, uh, changing wheels, tires, and stuff like that. Uh, my dad used to make me so aggravated. Here's a little story. He used to make me so aggravated. I would try to get the lug nuts tight whenever we got put a wheel back on. I would try as hard as I can, and then he'd go up there. And, of course, he, he was a big guy. He was uh, 6'3", 230 pounds, something like that. And uh, I was just a scrawny little kid. Uh, I hadn't gotten any muscle yet, but uh, uh, he'd always tighten it down a whole lot more after I got done. Well, one day I decided I'm going to get this tight. But by the way. What? Like father, like son. You did that to me. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. But anyway, 
so I put the, put the ratchet on there and put a cheater bar on it. <laughs> and I was jumping on that cheater bar to make sure I got it all tight. At one point, I looked down the bar and I saw that it was bent. I don't know if I bent it or not. Probably didn't, but I, I thought I did. So I didn't stick around to see if he tightened them up much more after I got done. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had me uh, painting this, painting that, taking care of the equipment, uh, helping with changing oil, washing the trucks, waxing them. Just, uh, always, always something every weekend, doing this, that, and the other to them, setting up CBs, trying to get them working better and, is always always taking care of things. Mm-hmm. So why did you say that you would never drive a truck? Um, basically, it's a lifestyle. Driving, I as uh, as uh, already noted, I like driving. You know, at three years old, I like driving. Pretty much everything I've done, I've been driving. Even when I was in college, at college, I had a job driving uh, for the administration office, being a gopher, driving all around Nashville, Tennessee, doing this, that, and the other. Uh, so driving wasn't the problem, but um, when you have to be uh, away from home, you know, as much as you have to be away from home, uh, yeah, that's not, uh, you know, a person uh, who has a family, you know, doesn't want to be away from home. Mm-hmm. But when you need to make money, you know, you do what you have to do. And I obviously knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any blinders on. I knew what I was doing, so anyhow, and I figured uh, doing what I was doing with who I was doing was a pretty good way to start out. So. Yeah. I know for me, remembering back when you started driving, probably actually didn't feel that much different from the previous, I don't know, how many years you were at Mitsubishi, um, working second shift. and Yeah, that actually helped because I knew uh, or I had in practice already. Uh, how to communicate with my family, you know, grab the cell phone or talk during, uh, you know, certain times, keep in touch. You know, Diana, my wife, was uh, would be at work when I'm at home. And when I was at work, she was at home knowing what to do there. You know, that was a help and a big advantage over like when my dad was driving. They didn't have cell phones. Uh, that was back when you... I uh, didn't know what was going on until you got to the next telephone, got to a truck stop, and mm-hmm. you stood in line waiting for your turn to get to a telephone or get to where you were going and you find out that the load canceled and you drove how many miles? You know, it's so cell phones have been a big help in all the uh, communications that we got yeah. today. That's a, that's a big help. Makes the job better, the industry better. I think you probably even called me up a handful of times looking for, you know, working on some directions using you know, whether it was MapQuest, Google Maps, or whatever at the time, mm-hmm. uh, kind of looking some of that stuff up and getting some information, maybe phone numbers here or there, even. Yeah, yeah. When uh, when we didn't already have the information here in-house uh, to be able to retrieve, yeah, definitely called you and used, used uh, your ability to be able to read maps and use the computer. I knew north north and south anyway. Yeah, that's that's. I found out that not everybody <laughs> knows that. But it's very helpful to know that when you're driving a truck. It is. Well, and and to look at the map and know whether that turns into a left or a right and what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Coming here into the office and, and doing what you're doing here, obviously that's allowed some things to become a little bit more consistent for you. 
from that lifestyle change of being on the road or even having the the second shift type work and, and everything. Um, has that allowed you to do anything else out, maybe outside of work? Uh, well, how has that changed in your personal life to, to have that consistency? I do have more opportunities to uh, do things in the evening, obviously. Uh, I've been very active with church and with our school. I drive, drive buses at our school to basketball games and other events. So it helps with that. And just being around whenever something needs to be done. I don't I don't always know if uh, my wife always wanted me around. Sometimes I probably an aggravation when I was around, but uh, <laughs> or am around, I guess I'm still am around. Um, but uh, nevertheless, things need to be fixed, moved, whatever, or dealing with the kids. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that was never an issue. <laughs> Must be my siblings. Yeah, yeah, well, uh-huh. But, uh, uh, Diana never, never really said anything about that, um, being a problem, you know, me being gone. Uh, surely it's somewhat of a comfort for me to be around. I just hope. <laughs> Yeah. Any any bad boogie boogeyman that comes around, I uh, I'm quite willing and ready to take care of them. That must be Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I did have when we were in the trailer, there was a tree out my window. It was actually at a distance, I think. Um, and I swear that thing was so at night. If the moon was like behind it and you had that silhouette, I, th- I think I I swear that was some sort of monster just moving around out there. Yeah, kids have imaginations. <laughs> uh, I think that's gone on to my kids too. But last year we worked with you uh, with the training department on a uh, initiative to give out some fuel tips, some easy things. But we used some stories. You know, we had some stuff from Dale and we had some stuff from you. But a lot of that came from your previous experiences and whether it be you know as a little kid. You know, you mentioned playing with your toys and, and tractors and, and stuff like that. But was there is there any story, incident, experience that you've had anywhere in your lifetime? Is there anything that's really kind of changed, maybe changed the way that you think towards something or just really sticks out as I'm always, this is always an example for me uh, to remember? Um, yes, uh, there are some, some things I won't even, won't even mention, but I will mention about those things that do happen in your life, use those things. Uh, remember them. Don't continually beat yourself up over your mistakes, but learn from them. Just keep them in mind just enough to n- avoid repeating them. One thing I guess that I can think about, I was at a steel mill. This is before I started working here. <laughs> the steel mill I w- walked into, it w- wasn't a steel mill, but it was a place that... Uh, as a warehouse, they cut uh, the steel down to size for their customers' needs. And when I walked in there, the first thing I thought was, boy, OSHA would have a heyday in here. Anyway, I, I um, found out where they needed me to back into. I got my uh, trailer backed into the building, and uh, we were waiting on a couple pieces uh, for them to get done with. Uh, I think they got one done, and they were needing to flip it. Now, flatbedders will understand what I'm talking about, but basically it needed to be positioned in such a way on my trailer that I could secure it properly. 
And in order to do that, we were thinking it needed to be flipped 90 degrees. So it'd be uh, high enough where my chains could be able to contact it and hold it down. Um, the crane operator was trying to flip the uh, piece, and the way he was doing that was dropping it sort of on the edge of a stack of steel. Well, the man on the ground who was to be communicating with the crane operator told him, don't, don't do it. We come up with a different idea. The idea was we were going to put blocks under that piece, raised up high enough where my chains could grab it. Well, that didn't get communicated too well. The crane operator continued to try to flip that piece of uh, metal over, and he knocked a stack of steel over. Um, I calculated that stack to be somewhere around uh, close to 30,000 pounds of steel. It crushed uh, uh, the guy on the ground, uh, actually pinned him against my truck. Um, I was up on the truck uh, when it happened. I, I, as soon as it happened, I mean, you, it was, of course, it was a tragedy. The man was still living, and I'm not going to tell too much about that, but nevertheless, he was killed. Um, so it reminds, uh, reminds a person. Uh, you, you never can be, be uh, too safe. Um, I kept my winch bar uh, that I had as a reminder because uh, my truck didn't sustain hardly any damage. I think I got uh, a light broke on the trailer and then my winch bar uh, was hit. It was halfway sticking under the steel that was on my trailer. So it has two bent spots in it. So I still got it today. Um, so you can, never, you can never be too safe. Uh, there's an old saying out there, you can't outspend safety. And that's true. Uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a thing that I'm always remembering. Safety's taken for granted way too much. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't understand when we, you know, talk about safety. I just heard someone talking a while ago about someone using a cell phone. Uh, you know, there's rules about hands-free as you're driving. You know, if you don't have a Bluetooth, phone rings, don't answer it. As you're driving, just don't answer it. Uh, don't text. Don't drive. Uh, don't, don't be uh, handling your phone. Leave the thing down. Uh, I encourage you to encourage people to you know, make sure your phone is able to be used hands-free or don't use it. It's not worth the risk. You know, if uh, someone makes a mistake by using their cell phone when they're not supposed to here at this company, uh, what would happen? Uh, a big mistake. One thing, it would change the driver's life forever, mm-hmm. even if he's uninjured. You don't want to have that memory. Lawyers, what, what would they do? Oh, they'd have a heyday. Mm-hmm. Millions of dollars uh, is what we'd be sued for, and they'd be able to win it easily. Uh, Noose bomb would no, no longer be Noose bomb. Uh, I think it'd take you know take every penny. We might be able to reformulate somehow, but uh, it obviously would it'd be a uh, something really catastrophic. Uh, and that's just the business. And I, we're talking about the lives. That's mm-hmm. that's more important. Uh, buildings. And trucks, they can all be replaced, uh, but lives can't. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, it's one of those things where 
especially as a driver, a professional driver, you're dealing with so many potential distractions already all around. And traveling down the road, you can go a quarter mile, a few hundred feet in just a short period of time and fumbling around with the phone, fumbling around with the radio, uh, reaching behind you to get something out of the fridge, all these sorts of things that divert your eyes from where your 80,000 pound rig is going (laughs) can really end in disaster. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, you know, really important that a driver, especially as a professional driver, you're held to a higher standard at that point, but you are very responsible for, for manning that, that rig and, and what it's doing and being aware of what's happening around you. Yeah. And, and we got to be because there's so many people around who are not. Um, uh, people cut in front of, in front of, uh, of the big trucks, mm-hmm. not thinking. Uh, a lady told my brother-in-law, uh, well, you got, you got 18 wheels. You can stop faster. <laughs> um, you know, he said that's not really the way it works. That's not how that works. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a little bit inattentiveness. Even just uh, the, you know, someone drops the cap to their Mountain Dew. Yeah, uh, leave it. You know, you taking your eyes off of uh, what needs to be seen, putting them in a position where even peripherally they cannot uh, pick up what they need to pick up uh, is all uh, very dangerous. Uh, yeah, we, we gotta be, I mean, every time I go out on just a little run with another driver, a 30 minute run, I can see something that somebody else is doing. And so we have to be, uh, watching that, have to be vigilant all the time. So the distracted driving is not limited to cell phones. Anytime you're searching around for something, searching around for your, uh, directions for where you're going, you know, you get, you gotta have a better Better plan than uh, fumbling around with a, a piece of paper and trying to find out whereabouts you're at on that piece of paper. Uh, that takes your eyes off road for just a, a little bit too much. Following too closely and all of a sudden you look down for whatever, you know, something fell off the passenger seat. You look down. Uh, you look down for a second. You've traveled quite a bit. And I just looked down away from the microphone here and you probably could tell yeah. <laughs> that difference even on the recording here. Uh, but, uh, you know, you look down for a little bit. Uh, you know, what happened in front of you? Did someone stop? Did they slam on the brakes? Uh, the accident that my dad had was, uh, wasn't for him being inattentive, but it can sort of illustrate he was on the interstate on I-40 near Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, there was a truck on the side of the road that was having that was having a uh, an engine problem, beller, bellering out black smoke. Uh, he was following another truck, and that truck was going through the smoke. And what my dad couldn't see was that a car was stopping to see what was going on on Interstate I forty, stopped, and whenever that truck in front of my dad got out of the smoke and saw that car stopped, he had to lock up his brakes and stop. My dad being in the smoke could not see that that was happening um, and thus ran into the rear end of him. But that might have been just a small area where that smoke was covering, but it sort of illustrates what can happen. And by the way, he was driving a cab over uh, freight liner, mm-hmm. a white freight liner, cab over, 
And uh, that wreck, uh, that accident, broke the cab, transmission, and engine off its mounts, pushed the front end of the tractor. My dad was driving underneath the trailer in front of him hmm. and broke the seatbelt, by the way. And my dad survived. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely affected him, but nevertheless, yeah, he survived that. Uh, things can happen. They can happen quickly. And so we can't be distracted mm-hmm. in any way. Always got to be attentive. Yeah. You could be struck by lightning randomly. Yeah, I've sort of experienced with that. I'm not going to talk about the one where I was in bed and it struck and melted my window. But uh, <laughs> uh, I guess you're trying to get me to tell about that one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, so I was uh, heading down uh, I-55 on one of my runs I was doing here for uh, Nussbaum. And just driving along and all of a sudden, wham! And uh, what more was that? And everything seemed to stop on the trucks, like the brakes came on. I just, you know, sort of, uh, sort of leaned forward, and what in the world happened? Uh, another driver who was headed the opposite direction came on CB. He said, "Driver, you all right?" Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Well, couldn't find out. Lightning had struck, and it took out everything in that truck that had a printed, printed circuit board, except for my CB. <laughs> <laughs> So that uh, I was fortunate enough that uh, I was near an exit and got uh, pulled over, and yeah, it did uh, around six to eight thousand dollars worth of damage uh, back then, taking out everything that yeah. was had a you know the static of it, took it all out. Since you're in a position of essentially coaching for performance um, development, helping increase drivers' skill level. Sometimes that can be hard probably for some drivers to take some of that, especially if they've been maybe driving for a while or, you know, think they've kind of got it figured out and they've been doing good. They've not had an accident, you know, in X million miles or 20 years or whatever. Uh, How would you encourage them to open up to learning something new or, you know, tweaking current habits? When I came into the office and started working on uh, fuel mileage, it was very difficult uh, to persuade anybody, uh, even those that said, yeah, well, I'm fine with that. Sounds good and everything, but show me the money mm-hmm. was the uh, response I got. Like, so uh, since you said that, I mean, when you were driving, you you weren't being incentivized for, for good fuel mileage. You were getting good fuel mileage, but not getting paid any extra for that performance or right. Um, so I could have been doing a whole lot better myself because I, what I was doing, I was doing some things just for the fun of it, you know, because yeah. right? you know, <laughs> you know got to do something with my mind you know, <laughs> as I'm driving. But, uh, no, we were paid to get the uh, load delivered. Sure. You know, you get paid for those miles to get the load delivered. You don't deliver the load. You, you got a problem. You weren't paid for anything else. So to get anyone to do anything extra is pretty hard because, they get paid for delivering the load. Right. And we all had the desire, get the load delivered, get it delivered on time. Uh, so now there is an incentive. Uh, we got drivers making lots of extra money just because of the habits that they are uh, uh, doing, the habits they have in, in driving. It, uh, it, it pays them. So plus uh, we can see now that uh, 
uh, those habits have produced um, really good safety scores. Uh, so there's, there is uh, that to help persuade people. But so, uh, some of the videos uh, that we have, we've uh, videos of seeing how things can happen real quickly. Uh, it is very difficult to get uh, uh, someone changed because uh, I like to think, and hopefully I'm right, that you know most of our drivers are good drivers. Sure. They're skillful. Uh, they are watching and everything. But there's just sometimes little things. They, they, they don't, they aren't always noticeable. You know, if they're just sitting in their seat and watching me, they think it feels different. But if I'm not talking, saying what I'm doing, you know, they might not, uh, someone might not pick up on exactly all the things I'm doing. The hell, yeah. Uh, and plus, I can sometimes drive faster than somebody else and get better fuel mileage. So uh, that's a little bit intriguing. So hmm. if a driver, you know, we, we don't encourage someone to drive fast just to get better fuel mileage. But uh, <laughs> but for our drivers out there wanting to drive faster and still get good fuel mileage, get a hold of Corey. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's definitely, definitely possible. But uh, uh, so it's not all, it's not all about the speed that you're driving. Yeah. Talk about the mindset just a little bit. Uh the mindset of good fumage or um, actually uh, maybe more the, the mindset of continuing to learn and improve. Uh, every time I go out, I see something I could, could have done better. And that's just 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential to develop skill. It, it takes a lot of time. It's just like a, uh, any professional athlete. Yeah, they know the basics, but as they keep doing it more and more, things get more natural to them. And just in driving, there's so many variables. I cannot tell everybody what to do all the time. In fact, I can probably tell just only a a little bit. I can get some generalities, but everything's changing. So someone who's sitting out there driving every day should get a lot better at it than someone who sits behind a desk. The uh, road that you're on, it changes. Uh, the trailer you're pulling, it's different. The weather conditions, wind, rain, snow, it all changes. Uh, the amount of load that you're hauling, it, there's just all, all sorts of variables, the traffic that, that you're in. So there's all that to look at. So you are constantly learning and doing and practicing. Do I press my foot down harder? Do I let up a little bit? Do I let e-coast take over at this point? Uh, what do I want to enable? Do I want to use cruise control or will I do better without it? So there's a lot of experimenting that a driver can do. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of learning that can be done and it makes the job, you know, maybe not so boring and maybe you can keep yourself from being distracted so much. Yeah. I mean, make a challenge out of it. A little bit of a game. Obviously we here have a scorecard system to work with and, you know, lots of data that you can pull from and kind of learn uh, the results of, of what you're doing. But even with the instruments and everything that you have in front of you, there's a lot that you can do to make a game out of it, make it interesting for yourself and challenge yourself to do something, do things just a little bit better. Yeah. If you let the truck uh, do things uh, by itself, it'll do all right. But a driver who is taking advantage of what the truck has is uh, fuel mileage wise, easy to get two miles a gallon better. Hmm. Easy. Yeah, whenever I came into the office, I'm not sure what the figure was, but it might have been under six miles a gallon mm-hmm. for the average 
of the fleet. You know, this past summer, in fact, May through September, we were at nine over 9.3 miles per gallon uh, as a fleet. That was the average. And, you know, some drivers were hitting 11 miles a gallon. Some had troubles getting above eight or something like that or uh, getting up to the average. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so the difference is... Uh, uh, yeah, we, and, and that's huge when you're talking thousands of miles over the course of a year and, and cost per gallon and what that translates to. Yeah. There's, there's on, on given days, we can have days where we might have several dozen drivers getting over 10 miles a gallon. Yeah. Uh, not a problem. Uh, and I, when I see reports from other companies where they give a award to someone who's getting seven point something miles per gallon, you know, here we're saying, okay, what's the problem? <laughs> you know, what's, why, why, why are we getting so low? Right. Uh, so part of that's, you know, been put in motion by the leadership here to be pushing that envelope, providing the proper equipment, and then, you know, having someone like you in place to help develop the, the driver end of that. Um, you know, I think what a lot of companies and uh, even could be owner operators even out there that take for granted is, is the factor of the driver, you know, the human factor in the truck um, in relying solely on technology to, to get them the better fuel mileage. Yeah. Uh, owner operators, drivers who have say the classic conventional yeah. uh, Kenworths and, and uh, Peterbilt's uh, I would say, you know, it, it wouldn't be hard to get above eight miles a gallon uh, without taking it to someplace and spending $30,000 on engine improvements uh, on the way, the way it's shifted, the way it's driven, taking advantage of the little things that we talk about because we've had them. We've rented uh, some to yeah. supplement our fleet and our drivers were getting, um, you know, eight, 8.6 miles a gallon. So I, I think, you know, kind of moral to the story here is, I mean, really being willing to take ownership of, of your part, continually improving, working on learning new habits, tricks, and experimenting, you know, along the way. Learn, learn what works, what, what doesn't work, and, and even in different situations. Yeah, yeah, don't, uh, don't just sit there and hang on to the steering wheel. Do a little something more than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't, don't make the job so boring because it's, it's not. It can be a lot of work. It's not supposed to be an easy job. One of our guys here in the office said something about it's the hardest easy job or something. It, it, How was the, that said? The, the, the hardest, easiest job in the world. Yeah, yeah something like that, yeah. You know, I'll attribute this to Gary Atkins here. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, he wrote an article that titled The Hardest, Easiest Job in the World. And a subtitle of that is uh, Any Idiot Can Drive a Truck. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I won't go into that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll share the article and everything along with the podcast here. But uh, uh, just how while it's considered an easy job if you're just holding that steering wheel there's there's a lot to it and uh, and and it's a very important job and and difficult job to to do well yes and um that's what we what that's what we desire we we like we go for excellence here we don't ever achieve perfection but we strive for excellence in all of our positions here at Newsbomb and that's why I want every driver to do as well so yeah, always, always a little room for improvement. Oh, no always. matter where you stand. Yeah, you, 
always. Well, thanks dad for joining me and sitting down and talking. I hope it wasn't too awful for you, but you seem to do okay. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll bring you back sometime and, and talk some more specifics and, and, and everything. But, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a plan next time. You know, we might come with with a plan next time. I, yeah, we shot from the hip on this one, but uh, so hopefully, hopefully this wasn't awful. But I, I think it was good. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for making it through this episode of Terminal Exchange. I want to personally say Happy Father's Day to my dad and all the other dads listening. In honor of Father's Day, we produced a special bonus episode to share with you. This episode is all about the laughs and celebrating the always classic, sometimes eye-rolling, dad joke. You'll have to wait a couple more days to hear the entire exchange, but here's a sneak peek at what's to come. Happy Father's Day. Are we doing rapid fire now? Are you going to bring hoping them on? Bring them on. No, come on. Oh, you, okay, we're, I found a different site here for, for jokes. So, yeah. Um, did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Yeah, it has uh, bad service... Or has good, no, great, service. great, great, great food. service, great food, horrible no atmosphere, no, no atmosphere, no atmosphere, no, no atmosphere. atmosphere. <laughs> and and even so, what, what do you call a fake noodle? Impasta. Wow, it's impressive. Want to hear about a joke about paper? No, it's, it's terrible. Just terrible. Oh, man, you gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't use that one. Um, why Why did the coffee file a police report? Um, it got mugged. Oh, oh, man. That's good. I hate to hear something like that happen. So How sad. does a penguin build its house? He glues it together. And yes. Okay. Ooh, wow. Nice one. And uh, this is classic. Hey, did you get a haircut? No, I got, got them all cut. cut. <laughs> uh Dad, can you put my shoes on? No, they're not going to fit. They're too small. Yeah, no, yeah, they won't fit me. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah the right idea. That's true. Uh, why did the scarecrow win an award? Because he was outstanding, outstanding in his, his field. field. <laughs> 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 I, I swear, I, they, they, they're not seeing these jokes in this front of This is not them. rehearsed, yeah. people. It's <laughs> well, pretty impressive. They need a button. Uh, why don't skeletons ever go trick-or-treating? They don't have the guts. Mm. Nope. Ooh. They have nobody to go with them. That's it. Nope. Nobody to go with. Bingo. Which they also Hey, a skeleton are. walks into a bar, orders a drink and a mop. That's good. Orders a drink and a mop. So simple yet hilarious. Yes. Yeah. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. New episodes arrive every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then, go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, TerminalExchange.org.